But we will go through Psalm 1 to 8. And if you guys uh, are good students, I'll add 9. You know, just in case, just to let you know. So if you want Psalm 9 also, then you know what to do. The way of the righteous is what I call the message. The way of the righteous. And exactly when we speak about the righteous, we want to know who are these. Who are the righteous that the Psalms talk about? You know, when we read Psalms, there are two things that I want us to know beforehand. In the first place, Psalms do not reveal to us the great truths that we have in the New Testament about us being in Christ, forgiven in Christ, seated on the, uh, with Christ in heavenly places, uh, receiving the Holy Spirit. Psalms does not tell us that. But Psalms share with us the rich, the rich experiences of the righteous as they wrestle with issues of life right here on planet Earth. So yes, we can learn from them. We can learn from the things that they have gone through. And you wonder, who are these righteous people? We all know, right? Uh, Romans uh, 3.10, that no one is righteous. Actually, Psalms... Uh, 143 verse 2 says no one living is righteous before you no one is righteous so who are these righteous people that we are talking about because the bible speaks about them you know when we look at the way scripture speaks about these people we we can say that the righteous is the person who fulfilled or who does what is expected of him in every relationship, including his relationship with God. You know, maintaining that relationship, do things well in the relationship. In society, those people are known to be different in society, in their work, in their family, with their children. Righteous in the Old Testament are people like Joseph and Daniel and David. They show us what it is to be righteous. Not people who have never sinned, but people who you can depend on. You can trust on them. They are different everywhere they go. One person put it like this. He said, the righteous, or as they are called in the Hebrew, the tzaddik, was a person of wisdom. The tzaddik, the righteous man, was a person of wisdom. Who righteousness brought joy to his family to his city, and to the people of God. is someone who causes joy in a city, among the people of God, and in his family. I mean, everywhere this person goes. Now with that in mind, let's, let's just go through some one to eight, just looking at a few things about this righteous, this sadiq. Psalm 1 and 2 serves like an introduction, like a background to tell us what to expect in life. Psalm 1, of course, as we know, tells us about the two. There is a righteous person and there is this wicked person. First 1, Psalm 1, first 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor 
stands in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So even though this text doesn't call this person a tzaddik, a righteous person, reading it, you know who is talking about. I mean, later on you will call him like that. But for now, he tells us there is a, a, there are a group of persons who are called the blessed. And these persons... They talk about their ways, they talk about the way they sit, they talk about the things that they delight in. It's different than the people who do not know the Lord. They are the blessed people. They are prosperous. They are successful, as they are said in verse 3. All that he does, he prosper. In verse 6, Psalm 1, verse 6, For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So there is this righteous person is blessed. Why? The Lord wants us to know before entering Psalms, before entering this life of the righteous, at the gate, the Lord wants us to know who we are to be as righteous. People who do not associate with the wicked, but delight in the law of the Lord. Just at the beginning, say, folks, you are the righteous. You are God's people. And before going through this, before going on this journey, it's good for you to know this. Right here at the gate, rejoice in the Lord, in the word of the Lord. And not, do not associate with the wicked and their counsel and whatever they can give. Not on TV, not on Facebook, no, never wherever they put it. And then we go to Psalm 2. Are you guys still with me? All right, let's do this. Now, the Lord introduced the, the righteous in verse 6, telling us that the Lord knows the way of the righteous, right? But then in verse 2, the Lord is assuring us more why He is in control. He is the one who is the real boss in this world so no matter what's coming in the other psalms no matter what's going to happen it's good for the righteous to know it's not just about me wrestling with the issues of life it's not just about me trying to enjoy the word of god there is a lord who sits in heaven and who reigns and who is in control of everything Verse 1, Psalm 2, verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and the Lord's anointed, saying, Let us burst their bones apart and cast away their cords from us. And what does the Lord, what's the Lord doing? He who sits in the heavens laughs you know whatever people are doing and in our world today we know there are people who thinks like they are the boss of this world they can just go to ukraine and then do whatever they want and who can tell me anything but god's people the righteous are also in ukraine calling upon their lord and god's people all over the world are calling upon the lord 
for that nation and God's people there as well. And the Lord said, I am in control. I have the final say. And not someone here on planet earth. I have my king. I have someone who will be the ruler. My son, my anointed. And he asked them to be wise, the rulers of this world. And we as God's people, the righteous, we may know and actually bring forth this message in verse uh, 12. The Lord's advice to these people is, kiss the son. Worship him, so to speak. Recognize the son of God, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Now as righteous as God's people, we know we are not alone. There is a living God that we serve and who is in control. With that in mind, folks, let's live life here on planet earth, isn't it? So we'll go to Psalm 3 because that's where it starts for the Sadiq. The righteous man. First one, Psalm 3, first one. Oh Lord, how many are my enemies? Many are rising against me. You know, it's not a peaceful life, even though he is a static righteous person. There will be enemies. And these are people who come after him to do him physical harm. How many are my adversaries? Many rise up against me. The sad thing in this story, if you look at the first part of verse 1, it is one of these enemies was his own son, Absalom, who was going after him, tried to do him harm. And what was his response? What do the righteous do when they are facing attack from people in this case? Physical attack, verse 3, verse 4. I'm reading verse 4 from the New Living Translation. I cry out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. And verse 6, I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Of course, you know, for us as Christians, I don't know if you have experienced that, that people are attacking you physically. Maybe not as adults. But do you know that our children may be facing that? Even though they come to church every Sunday. What happened to them on Monday, on Tuesday in schools? I remember in my school days, what you used to do is try to find someone who everybody is afraid of. And you get close to that person. So whenever someone tried to give me a hard time, I just go to that person and say, you see what that person is doing? And, and in that case, it was a girl, and they were afraid of her. And she would come and she would say, guys, you know what? I'm buying over this fight. It's now my fight. You know, hearing these words was like the best thing. That could happen to me on that day. Because then you know nobody will touch you. Because they were all afraid of her. But you know sometimes all children, children. They don't tell us what they are experiencing at school. 
people are giving them a hard time. Sometimes they beat them in school. And we don't know. In Psalm 4, the enemy is not his son, nor is the attack physical. If we look at verse 2, I'm reading again from the New Living. How long will you people ruin my reputation? How long will you make groundless accusations? How long will you continue your lies? It is not a physical attack this time, but it is slander. People saying bad, negative things about you that are not true. One writer said this, In this psalm, the problem is one of malicious slander and lies. It's the psalmist's reputation rather than his person that's being attacked. What he needs is a sense of the presence and approval of God rather than physical deliverance. Do we face that as questions? People speaking lies about us, bad thing. That's another struggle of the righteous. And in verse 8, in peace... I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So not only when there's people try to do us physical harm, but also when they attack us, uh, our character, we call upon the Lord. We pray because he is the one that will help us. Psalm 5 is a challenge. What happened there is that the psalmist is aware of the presence of God. You know, when you look at the first 1 to 3, first 7 to 8, first 11 to 12, you realize that the presence of God is there. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry. My King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. But the problem is he was not only aware of the presence of God. You know, you enjoy your, your quiet time and things look great. And then you come out. Verse 4. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evil doers. You realize that it is not just you enjoying your God, but there are people surrounding you who are evil doers, boastful. They speak lies. They are bloodthirsty. They are deceitful. Their words are deadly. If we look at verse 9 and 10. And what does the psalmist do? He intensifies his prayer. If we go back to verse 1 and 3, he asked God to hear, to pay attention, to listen to him. Praying, groaning, crying, requesting. We know the Lord is with us. But at the same time, we live in an evil world. And you know what? One thing that I'm realizing more and more, it's not just evil in the sense of evil spirits, wicked. But there are evil and wicked people. In our communities. And sometimes among us. Surrounding us. Bad people. And it's good to be aware of that. 
and praying to the Lord. Psalm 6 is what, you know, the old, the Puritans would say, this psalm shared the experience of what they call the dark night of the soul. So it's not just like physical attack uh, and then attacking our character and then being aware of the evil people around us even though we know our God is there. But sometime in our personal life, the experience that we are going through is like God is so far away from us. Like he is far away from us. We are praying and our, our prayers, I'm not sure if they even reach the sailing. And they bounce back to us. Restless within ourselves. And it is as if God is against us. Not just people. He say, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord. For I'm languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Feel like we are abandoned? Feel like surrounded by enemies? Verse 7. My eyes waste away because of grief that grows weak because of all my enemies. But the saddest thing is like, it feels like, God abandoned us and rejected us. And this may lead, even in the life of believers sometimes, to depression. Feeling depressed. For seven, uh, Psalm 7 continue again that he continued to be falsely accused. You know, it's like that is coming often. And in this this case, this comes from Someone from the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, chapter, uh, Psalm 7 verse 1. It's as if they are accusing David. You stole the, king, the kingdom from us. We were king. Saul was a Benjaminite. And now here is this guy. Saying all kind of bad things about David. And then he is saying. Lord if I have really done what they are saying. Verse 3 to 5. Allow the enemy to lay my glory to dust. In the sense of, may I be exposed if this is what I have done. Wicked people, wickedness. And then he prayed in verse 6. And I'm reading from the net translation. Stand up angrily, Lord. Rise up with raging fury against my enemies. Wake up for my sake and execute the judgment you have decreed for them. In the midst of that, we know to, we can always go back to God and put everything before the Lord in prayer. You know, my purpose this morning was not to discourage you, to share with you all the difficulties that the righteous experience. Thankfully, there is Psalm 8. Amen. Psalm 8 is like a mountain top in all these experiences that we are going through. Where we can shout out to the Lord and rejoice. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name 
in Dubuque. No, it says in all the earth, including Dubuque, of course. It is a Psalms that show us about the greatness of God. It's not all about the problems of the sadiq, of the righteous. It is about the glory of God. And God wants us to come to understand not just our troubles. It's good to know the troubles that we are facing. But more so to know our God and how He sees us. And, and what is He telling us? Verse 4, after speaking about God's greatness and all the work that He has done in creation, the psalmist say, what is man that you are mindful of Him? And the son of man that you care for him. You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. And crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hand. He wants us to see us. Not from our own struggle. Not from our own personal experience. But from the perspective of God. When God look at us. What does he see? And he's telling this Old Testament person a, a masterpiece created by God. And when we speak in terms of the New Testament, he sees a new person in Christ. He sees us in Christ, blessed with all spiritual blessing, forgiven. He sees us in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. He sees us in Christ as a new person. That's our God. That's who we are. Yes, we'll face struggle, but don't forget who you are. You are unique. You are special. Why? Because God says so. And He did it. He paid the price for it. He gave His Son to die for us to make sure everything is well. And folks, because you have been so good listening I'll give you Psalm 9. Because knowing who we are, you know what will happen? Guess what will happen? Verse 9. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. It will cause us to praise God. It will lead to worship and be grateful before Him. God is good, and He is good all the time. No matter what we are going through, remember, God is a good God, and He knows the best. Our Father, we just want to thank You this morning. Thank You for accepting us in Your Son, the Lord Jesus. Accepting us as your sons and daughters. Thank you for blessing us with all spiritual blessings, choosing us before the foundation of the world, forgiving us and giving us blessings, inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for sealing us with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for revealing to us your will for times to come. That in the fullness of times, you will bring everything under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter what's happening in our world today, we know you are in control. And things will come to pass 
because you have spoken. We recognize, Lord, our own struggles and difficulties that we face day by day. And we pray, Lord, help us to continue to focus on you. And to know that with, without you we are nothing. And help us to encourage one another. Lord, thank you for bringing Irene and I to great adventure today. Thank you for what you have done. <laughs> thank you for what you have done to bring glory to yourself. And we just want to recognize what you have done. You are good and good indeed. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much.